0: you teach a course focusing on the eight years of the Clinton presidency. What exactly is Bill Clinton's legacy in American history?
1: Well, Bill Clinton's legacy, uh, viewed historically from 30, 50, 60 years from now will not be prominent. There were no huge events during his presidency, at least no huge positive events. Uh, Of course, there was one huge negative event, which is that he was only the third president impeached. He wasn't removed, but he was impeached. And the general uh, shorthand for what was what typified the years of Bill Clinton's presidency would probably be two things: one is the prosperity that existed in his presidency and his role in that, but the other is that he was impeached and. Um, uh, impeached for or under the alleged charge of, of uh, committing perjury under oath um, and was acquitted and permitted to continue in his presidency. But often the most important presidents are connected with huge historical events. George Washington and the country's founding, Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War, Roosevelt and the Depression and World War II. Bill Clinton didn't preside in that kind of an era, and therefore, his, his legacy isn't going to stand out dramatically from many of the other presidents.
0: Was there anything that the public got wrong about Bill Clinton?
1: Uh, I think aspects of Bill Clinton's personality and presidency were misunderstood. Um, Clinton had a reputation and deserved it to some extent of being somebody who always had his finger to the political winds, that is somebody who was always interested in compromising, in finding a middle position and avoiding conflict, somebody who always was looking for a compromise to make, Um, somebody who always wanted to be liked and therefore would always take the easy path. Now I won't deny there was an aspect of Clinton's personality that was like that, but people can overlook the risks he took in his presidency, which were considerable, including, as just some examples, um, when Bill Clinton engaged in a conflict with the Republican Congress, the Newt Gingrich-led Republican Congress after Republicans were elected in 1994, there were no polls telling him that the public would support his side. He simply believed that he was offering or supporting ideas and programs that would, that the public would sympathize with his position and he turned out to be right but it was a risk. Similarly um, his intervention in the Balkans, particularly Kosovo, um, he did not have great support in the public, it was it was just after the impeachment was over but he felt that a military campaign in Kosovo against the Milosevic government and in favor of first autonomy then independence for Kosovo um, would be first of all the right thing to do but secondly a practical achievement. And it's one of his lasting achievements. There is an independent Kosovo today and it's because of the risk that Bill Clinton took. But most important, early in his administration He sat down with economic advisors, some Republicans, some Democratic, some very conservative, like Alan Greenspan. And they said to him, if you cut the budget deficit, it's going to bring down long-term interest rates. If that happens, you will give an enormous boost to the economy. It was a completely unproven theory. No president has ever done that before. He was convinced that they were right. It was his advisors, Robert Rubin, um, uh, Leon Panetta, and it was Alan Greenspan. And they, in a long period of time, talked with him at great length. He conducted what he called economic seminars and he was the student. And so he put this plan into motion that involved raising taxes, something which cost him and his party politically. But it turned out that their theory was right, that going after the deficit did in fact help bring down long-term interest rates and laid the basis for the enormous prosperity of the 1990s. It was not the only factor, but it was the starting point. And the 90s would not have gone the same way. That is, the prosperity of the 90s would not have been as extensive had Clinton not focused on the deficit, had he not taken that risk
0: so given that would you say that bill clinton was intuitive or he just had a very acute sense of what to do
1: i think bill clinton probably was better versed in public policy than any president in the 20th century he enjoyed it he studied it Um, everywhere he went he accumulated public policy ideas and that's why i think he could sit down with in this case economic advisors he probably didn't always agree with, like Alan Greenspan, hear them out and for himself decide that they were giving him good advice and He decided that set of ideas was right. So this was a case where a president was submitted himself to an education and thought it through and made a decision based on a rather serious economic set of ideas that he was offered, Um, put himself at great political risk, um, but in the end did the country and in the end his presidency I think a lot of good by his decisions.
0: Should he then be considered as a great political thinker and leader of our times?
1: No, I don't think you would call Clinton a great leader or thinker. A president to be a, a leader thinker probably has to confront a, a crisis situation and know how to lead the country in that situation. Clinton might have been able to, but he faced no special crisis except for the one he created, an impeachment. Um, he um, uh, did reorient the Democratic Party on some issues, Um, moving it to the center on a certain set of issues like crime, national security, welfare. Um, But that was an approach to both electoral politics and his own party. And, quite honestly, some of the ideas that he brought to the party have since been repudiated by Democrats. So, it's hard to say that you would consider him a great thinker. He was a great thinker about small public policy issues and was probably the best communicator about public policy and its meaning of any uh, political leader I've ever heard. He had his weaknesses as a communicator. When he tried to speak to broad themes of history, he was boring. Um, He had exactly the opposite strengths and weaknesses of Ronald Reagan. Reagan could draw on great themes about where the country was and where it's going. Clinton would try to do that and, and would not be convincing at all. Reagan couldn't explain policy because he didn't know anything about policy. Clinton shone in those areas. That's why he did so well in debates because he could say, here's what is at issue in health care. Here's what's at issue in Medicare. If we take this avenue, this will happen. If we take that avenue, there'll be this consequence. And he could explain it simply so that ordinary people could understand.
0: Let's talk about the Republican Congress a little bit. What can be learned from his battles with the Republican Congress? In
1: 1994, Um, the Republicans gained control of the House of Representatives for the first time since 1954. And they did it by a very aggressive campaign against the Clinton presidency, organized by Newt Gingrich. Um, Therefore, they came in prepared to do battle with Clinton. Um, I would say that this is an area where you might contrast the approach Bill Clinton took with the approach Barack Obama took. Um, I think Clinton understood very well the nature of his opposition, both he understood the goals of the Republican Congress, also understood the personality of his main rival, Newt Gingrich. Um, And I think Clinton understood that there would come a time for confrontation with them, that it was unavoidable Clinton did like to compromise, but I think he knew that at some point he was going to have to dig in his heels and say no farther. So Clinton generally took a strategic position, which bothered some Democrats, of moving about halfway, some of his critics would say three quarters of the way, toward the Republicans, but then drawing a sharp line and saying no farther. Those policies over there on the other side of this line are terrible for America, and I will fight under any conditions to prevent them. And he did that in the when the Republicans shut down the government to get him to agree to their goals. And it was the central showdown of his presidency. Nobody knew who would win, except that everybody knew going into it that whoever won that would essentially decide the direction the government took. And the public swung to, swung to Clinton's side. Now, I do have to go on, though, because, first of all, I said this contrast with Obama. I don't think Obama really understood for a long period of time that Republicans were not going to compromise with him no matter what he said to them. You, you Being reasonable was not enough. They had different goals. I think Clinton understood that. The second thing though is that after the confrontation took place Clinton had no problem going back and cooperating with those people who used to be his adversaries on what areas that they could agree with. There was still wide areas of disagreement, but Clinton always had, and I heard him discuss this, he always had a point of view that if your opponents and you share a view, you shouldn't pretend that you differ. And you should cooperate with them on those. Um, And he did with Newt Gingrich. In the immediate aftermath of the shutdown, he and Newt Gingrich sat down, worked out a balanced budget agreement, worked out a proposed set of reforms to Social Security, which, had they been enacted, meant we would not have to be discussing Social Security today. Unfortunately, impeachment happened, and that had to be scrapped.
0: It was the impeachment that scuttled those plans?
1: Well, some of them were enacted before impeachment. The balanced budget amendment, for instance, was. Certain other agreements about government programs, Head Start and others, there was some common ground that they found. Um, The broader agreements about things like Social Security and Medicare could have been, could have been, um, a subject of some compromise, but. Once impeachment started, everybody had to run to their own party for cover, both sides. And therefore, it became impossible to work together on policy issues.
0: Do we know everything there is to know about the Clinton presidency now?
1: Well, I think any presidency, um, you learn more about every presidency as new records come to light, as people talk who hadn't talked before. For instance, Bill Clinton's closest confidant was a man named Bruce Lindsay, whom almost nobody's ever heard of. Lindsay knew every secret of the Clinton presidency. He's very closed-lipped, closed-mouthed. He may never talk, or someday he may write a memoir. Um, Lindsay knows things that nobody else knows about the Clinton presidency. But, having said that, there's a huge amount that we do know. Part of it is because of impeachment and the, all these records that were subpoenaed. It's also, for some reason, the fact that historians are fascinated with the Clinton presidency. An enormous amount of material has been written, more than you would think, given the fact that he wasn't there during a depression or a big war. Um, but about every other book, excuse me, every other year, a new book comes out on the Clinton presidency. and. Um, So with all this writing, yes, it's going to continue to be debated. It's amazing to me how much more, for instance, is written about the Clinton presidency than the George W. Bush presidency, in spite of the fact that George W. Bush was president during enormous events and Bill Clinton was not.
0: So while she's on the campaign trail right now, how should Hillary Clinton be discussing her husband's legacy?
1: Well, she's in a bind. Um, The bind is that her policy views um, are very much in keeping with her husband's and she was part of some of the decisions of those years and she would be better able to explain her views, her proposals, her goals for the country in the context of explaining how they were worked out in the Clinton years when they were for the most part very successful. But she can't. And she knows that. Um, She can't for several reasons. One, it's a look backwards in history. And she's already suspected by many people, particularly younger voters, of being um, a, a relic of the past. And to rediscuss issues of her husband's presidency would just by simple virtue of the fact that she'd be looking backwards over so many of years, so many years reinforce that problem of being viewed as somebody who was trapped in a period 20 years ago. Um, so that's one issue. Another issue of course is there were some downsides to her husband's presidency and to rediscuss it Uh, vigorously, would inevitably lay the basis for raising those issues. Um, A third reason why she is sort of in a bind about discussing them is that she has to be very concerned about not running as Mrs. Clinton, about the possibility that his presidency would overshadow her that she would suffer some from, from sort of being in the shadow of the presidency, of his presidency. And that's especially true because she's a female. It's a problem that vice presidents face. Al Gore faced it. It's, you could call it, triple a problem for Hillary. By being female and by being married to the president, not being vice president, um, she would run the risk of looking like the lesser member of the Clinton team. And so I, she's probably wise to avoid doing that. Now, if I were on her staff, I would uh, look to have her discuss the Clinton years more. I thought it was a mistake for Al Gore not to do that. And I think she could make certain policy positions clearer if she were to refer to debates that she was part of and look at the outcomes of those debates. Um, I'm not obviously privy to their, de- their, dis- their her staff's discussions of those things. I would not be surprised if somebody raised that position. And to me, it's obvious that her campaign has decided they'll say as little as possible about those eight years. Um, I think it's too bad. I thought it was a terrible mistake for Al Gore and cost him the presidency. Um, a, little, a little less of a mistake for her because I think it would be a bigger problem for her to discuss her husband's administration.
0: It's a double jeopardy in a way for her.
1: Maybe more than double. She has several liabilities um, that she would look like she was asking for their vote because she was the wife of a president. She was first lady. She was asking their vote because her husband ran a successful presidency. Um, that she's asking people to think about a period that frankly I'm going to ballpark here 30% of the American public doesn't remember Um, and so there are some problems for her definitely some problems for her in doing it and I think it's obvious and clear that she has decided she will do it as little as possible
0: okay so let's say it works out for her Mm -hmm. this campaign strategy and she wins the presidency what should Bill Clinton do? What should his role be?
1: Well, he joked when she first was talking about running in, in 08, when she first did run in 2008 against Barack Obama, uh, Bill Clinton joked and said that he would be the what he called the first laddie. Um, now, this is something I actually have my class talk about because we, in my class on the presidency, we spend a week on the first lady because... Just simple fact. First ladies uh, uh, do play a role in what happens during a presidency. And certainly Hillary Clinton played a role in what happened in Bill Clinton's presidency. And I always ask people, what happens when gender roles are reversed? And then say, what happens if you have the ultimate reversal and have not just a female president, but a female president whose husband used to be president, which is almost too mind-boggling to imagine? And what exactly should he do? There are about 10 ways it could go wrong. And if there's a good, if there's a way to go right, I can't quite think of it. Um, it was a mistake for Bill Clinton to appoint his wife to head the health care co- commission. I think they both understand that. Um, and um, the best role I would think would be if she gave him a role in some area where the public already trusts him but doesn't put him in charge of it. For instance, that he could be part of her Council of Economic Advisers or part of some ad hoc committee to study economic plans. Or play a role in, as a sort of roving ambassador in foreign policy. Um, but not anything that could undermine her, or suggest that, that he is actually making decisions, that would be a mistake. It would be a mistake to give him a role that had to be confirmed by Congress. Uh, even something as Secretary of Commerce, it would be a terrible mistake. Um, so she can't look as though it's him and not her that's running the country. Um, She can't give him the kind of role he gave her in health care. And uh, uh, she also can't, just knowing the character and quality of Bill Clinton, she can't give him a role where he would interact with the public much because he's such a charming uh, kind of uh, character, and she's not, that he would inevitably take up more public space than she does. All those would be problems for her. That's why I said, I can see many more things she shouldn't do than what she should do. I will say that I tried to figure out when, when Barack Obama um, won the nomination in a bitter contest with Hillary and then was elected, what he could do with her. And I didn't get it right. Um, When he named her secretary of state, I thought that was the absolute perfect decision to make. Um, I had thought of other Supreme Court, other things, none of which seemed to make any sense to me. Um, wouldn't have made it. It wouldn't have been good for him to name her as his vice president. Naming her Secretary of State was the right thing to do. Hopefully, there is somewhere out there a wise decision that I'm not seeing right now about what she can do with her husband if she were elected.
0: Let me just clarify. You said there's ten ways it could go wrong, and. You don't see any ways it could go
1: right? I have a hard time seeing what the exact way to go right is. But that's what I mean when I said that Obama found one with Hillary, Secretary of State, that I hadn't thought of. Somewhere out there, there is a good role, which will take into account all the pitfalls and all the liabilities, but emphasize the positive things people still feel about Bill Clinton. When he left office, um, he was the most popular president to leave office since Dwight Eisenhower. Um, just slightly, his approval ratings were slightly higher than Ronald Reagan's was when when he left office. Um, You would never know that from the things people talk about, but it's a fact. Um, Now, over the years, and this always happens with ex-presidents, they go up and down as things happen, but still people have a very favorable attitude toward Bill Clinton. Um, But, of course, the unique thing would be that, that you have the first female president who has to find a role for an ex-president. And that's what makes this very difficult.
0: And intriguing.
1: Certainly intriguing. Liable to make a bad decision because he made a bad decision about her. um, But a problem to be solved. Um, I said, as I think you have to say, that he didn't contribute great, thoughts, or his presidency isn't going to be memorable. But in a way, he probably um, doesn't mind that, because he was, in a way, a small thinker. Uh, But I mean that in a very positive way. He believed that government should play a role of helping people in um, uh, small ways to maximize their opportunities. And he once said that um, the best goal he could think of was what he called the quiet miracle of a normal life. Now that's not as exciting as fighting for equality. It certainly is something that the more liberal Democrats would criticize him for, Liz Warren or, or, um, or uh, Bernie Sanders. But Clinton did believe that the most important thing he could do as president, both here and and abroad, was try to move the ball forward in terms of more people being able to lead better lives. And while it wasn't widely publicized, a small part of his economic program, it had a technical name called the Earned Income Tax Credit, but it helped um, uh, raise more people out of the poverty level than have ever been raised, including in Lyndon Johnson's War on Poverty. Poverty. About, I think it was 15 million people moved above the poverty line during the Clinton presidency, and he would regard that as a great success. It wasn't an attack on the wealthy, and Bill Clinton really never talked, never, never used this uh, language of, of um, criticizing people who are successful. He didn't think you should. He, his language was, we're all in this together. We'll try to do the best we can together, and government should help as many people as possible lead the most fulfilling lives they can. And the other great phrase, and this will be a paraphrase, um, he said, we need to bring together the world of the people who live in the gleaming skyscrapers and the people who live in the shadows. Not that we need to soak the wealthy, um, but that we need to create a sense that we're all in this together. And that's not a glamorous view of the presidency, but it was his view, and I I think in the end, it was a, a successful view one that you can well understand Republicans didn't like, liberal Democrats didn't like, because it seemed to be small. I think he was also criticized by many people who've run since him, including Barack Obama, for not being a transformational figure. That he was, he triangulated, that is he compromised. He wasn't transformational. I think he'd plead guilty and said, that is not really the job. The job, is to help people lead better lives, and I think he did that.